Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals. This includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and importantly appreciation. The show is broadcast from the 3CR studios in Melbourne on 855am. Welcome to the show. Uh, before us, you heard Sally with Out of the Pan. Make sure you check that out. If you're just listening to our show, make sure you check out Sally's show, Out of the Pan. Make sure you check out all the other shows on 3CR. You can find them all, um, Out of the Pan, all the other shows on 3CR at 3cr.org.au and listen in to those other shows as well. And yeah, on this show today, we're going to be talking about the humane myth, uh, the idea of humane animal products, whether that's uh, free range, organic, RSPCA approved, all these kind of labels we see on animal products um, which argue that they're humane, that they're acceptable, that they're even doing animals a favour by, by consuming these products. And yeah, I think a lot of this comes out of a backlash against factory farming where we basically have the animals raise as intensively impossible as possible. So we pile in as many animals as possible because it's most economically efficient to do so. And so we have animals in tiny cages and basically any kind of ethical sort of food movement or, you know, literature, etc. argues that is not acceptable and not acceptable for animals and, you know, health risks and environment and all these kind of things. Um, but I guess once we're that conclusion there's two different ways we can go with that in terms of maybe which we'd support that yeah you know, this is just an example of how bad animal exploitation is and let's avoid uh, consuming them all together uh, but the other way which is probably a more common way to go is go oh, that is bad but we should be doing things better let's give them bigger cages more space um, yeah th- those kind of things so that's what the issue we're going to be looking into um, joining me is a regular guest and my partner on the show Katie Katie Bay, thanks for coming in thanks for having me I'm Nick Pendergast, hosting today, and I thought we'd start things off by talking a bit about um, our own experiences with, you know, whether at one point or another we did buy into this humane myth, because, yeah, I think people who are concerned about animals often at least maybe, or some, some of us at least, go through that phase before, you know, seeing the problems more inherent with animal exploitation and, and animal products. Um, so, yeah, did you ever buy into this idea of humane animal products, Katie? Um, very briefly. I think, uh, so I've been vegan for 11 years, so I don't think it was such a big thing as it was. The only thing that I remember was free-range eggs. So mm. I was vegetarian for a year before I went vegan, and I remember being concerned about free-range eggs, although, of course, that only extended to buying at the supermarket. It didn't extend extend to when I went out and had an omelette or when I bought or when I had mayonnaise, was I thinking about the egg and that? Not that I ever had mayonnaise, but um, the way that most people, I guess, uh, think about it is they're like, this is what I'm buying off the shelf, but they don't think about whether all the other things are in, you know, inverted commas, free range, because as we know, there's been a lot of controversy about free range labels being misused and things like that. So I think that's the only thing I definitely wasn't into buying any humane meat or anything when I was a vegetarian or well not obviously not as a vegetarian but omnivore or promoting it at all mm-hmm. uh, but yes it was quite a different landscape 11 years ago mm, yeah and my, I was the same I did buy into the sort of the myth around free range eggs that was the first thing before I 
I think maybe, I can't remember whether I was maybe vegetarian. I can't remember, but either way, I got a little leaflet on how bad the egg industry was. And it was obviously from a vegan group because I like, best of all, don't buy eggs at all. Right. But if you're going to eat them, then free range is a better option. That's interesting because I never saw any messaging like that. The only things that I saw was just supermarkets promoting free range eggs and I'm like mm. well obviously that's better yeah and I think the free range eggs is probably sort of almost like ahead of the time like nearly all the eggs in the supermarket have some sort of humane label on them like that is definitely coming in with meat and, and even with milk as well which we'll discuss as well um, but yeah definitely eggs is sort of a, a big one and I think that definitely shows that I guess also from uh, my research on the topic of animal advocacy and social movements and social change those kind of things generally like if you ask people to do less, they generally will do less. So mm-hmm. that kind of made sense with my decision. It was like, oh, eggs are bad. And yeah, they'll always, yeah, they involve killing animals, which I'm sure um, we'll get onto. But I guess mm. just. Pretty- I, I wasn't aware of that when I was. Uh- a vegetarian. No, exactly. And I think that is, yeah, one, there's there's many challenges to this idea of humane animal products. So one of them is even in eggs and dairy that the um, the males don't produce the desired product so that they will be killed. Uh, I think egg industry is basically at birth and dairy is usually within a few days, about usually five days. Usually yeah. by gassing or maceration. In the case of eggs, yeah. In the exactly. case of eggs. And, and, and maceration is basically being put in a blender. Mm, yeah, so in various... That's the reality for any egg products you you buy um, and if you have backyard hens well what are they doing with the roosters because mm. they sh- they're not giving eggs so mm-hmm. where you're adopting them from what are they doing with their roosters mm-hmm. uh, we don't need eggs they're cholesterol bombs and um, I personally don't want to uh, eat what is essentially a chicken's period yeah, that's yeah. their what they expel usually you know we sped it up so that they've putting out eggs a lot more often than they should be because we manipulate their menstrual cycles. But uh, in the same way, I don't want to eat human... Uh, any like human egg byproducts that come out every month. I don't want to eat any mm. chicken ones. <laughs> and um, yeah, also in the dairy industry, there's often sort of an aversion to veal as like it's a cruel product, but veal is basically just a byproduct of the dairy industry oh, because yeah. for the same reasons in that the males are useless, males, they don't produce they don't milk. Don't milk. So they're sorted. Um, yes, Think about females. the Handmaid's Tale where we mm. have beings that are used, females being used because they can produce. Uh, babies which are useful and or milk uh and then when they're no longer useful they're destroyed and Mm -hmm. that is the reality for the dairy industry usually within four years even though generally they they can they could live to up to 10 years or 20 years i think in the case of cows i believe and and so yeah they generally are slaughtered as soon as even the females are often slaughtered um yeah their babies are taken taken away away. like handmaid's tail if they're male they're likely to become veal because Mm. they're use useless to the dairy industry if Mm. they're female then well they may end up a dairy cow just like their mother was yeah and and so yeah and the females once they're no longer productive to the industry not producing enough milk to make profit they generally are slaughtered as well yeah and they just become part of the regular beef products Mm. so there is killing in dairy and eggs Mm. inherently that is part of it and i think that is yeah one sort of starting point to deconstruct this humane myth that they're not sanctuaries they are businesses so they're not Mm. going to keep these animals around keep feeding them giving them water space and all these there's a reason why there's a limit on how much pus is allowed to be in, in dairy milk and the limit varies in australia us uk there's different limits but that's because they milk them so much they get mastitis uh which female humans can get as well with breastfeeding and basically there's pus coming out but they get infected around their um udders and around in in female humans around their nipples and that's why you get pus in dairy milk so 
Soy and almond sounding mm-hmm. pretty good right about now. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I did want to also mention in terms of the, yeah, that, that idea of, I mean, this is kind of what Katie touched on as well, is like I kind of bought the argument to a degree, but obviously wasn't fully behind it because I would buy free range eggs when I was buying them myself. But then, as you say, when I went out to a west restaurant, when I went to someone's place or whatever, I would still eat the caged eggs. And I think that's another issue with this idea of the humane, humane animal products or so-called humane animal products. Um, one thing that I was speaking on an ethical eating panel and one question that came up from the audience was, okay, like you're, you know, just find this best case scenario, which we also think is horrible as well. And we'll get onto that as well. Like even if it did meet this sort of hypothetical, ideal kind of situation, it's still not respecting animals. We're still uh, using them for our means. Yeah. We're just seeing another species as, you know, we're humans, we mm. control the planet and species are there to serve us. Yeah. But it's like people often use that one example, which might, you know, it might involve a portion of their animal consumption. Um, but when they go out to a cafe and they're getting tea or coffee and they have milk. Generally dairy milk. Dairy, cow's milk, yeah. They generally won't say, oh, is that, you know, free-range milk, organic milk or humane milk? Um, otherwise, I won't, I'll get soy or almond. Mm. They'll buy whatever's available. And they often use that. So let's say there's this one ideal case. They mm. use that to justify all of their consumption. Yeah, yeah. Because really it's about... They don't want to really challenge what they're doing. And that's understandable. We can we can understand that from human psychology because to realise that you've been part of this system where literally billions are suffering. There's about 260 million uh, dairy cows in the world right now. So their daily reality is what we see in, in The Handmaid's Tale. It's horrible suffering. And to think that you've been a part of that for most of your life mm. is horrifying. But I think people are becoming more aware of this in the same way that we need to be aware of transphobia, that we need to be aware of um, the uh, absolute injustice that we do in this country to Indigenous people and refugees. All of this is important. And certainly as intersectional animal rights activists that we are, we see all of this as important and as linked. And certainly as a woman and a feminist, I think it's uh, you know, to, to recognise the way that females are exploited in the milk and dairy industries for their eggs and their milk is a big part of being a feminist. Mm. And I think, yeah, behaviour behavior change is difficult. Um, and so even some people who might sort of agree with us philosophically on this issue may find it difficult to transition. I think a good example of that was the supermarket getting rid of the plastic bags. Mm. It's like people lost their minds over that. Like just <laughs> Yeah, someone actually yeah. assaulted a staff. <laughs> I know, I, like, and I couldn't believe that over a plastic bag. And so that is, you know, that is a much smaller behavioural change than giving up animal products, which, you know, is, is not a huge, you know, it depends, varies each individual to each individual, but either way, it's definitely a bigger change than just bringing some green bags along. Definitely, so, but I also yeah. think the the suffering and the impetus to do it is far stronger. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. the key thing to going, uh, believing in animal rights, going vegan and staying vegan, one is the theory uh, behind it and, and understanding the level of suffering, which for me is what did it, right? Mm. You, it's kind of you, you've you've gone into the matrix now and there's no going back once you've seen the reality. You can't ignore what you see that dairy milk. You're like, oh, that looks good. But you know what it's part of and you can't be a part of that, um, along with the practical applications. And certainly when we were um, running an animal rights group in Perth, we did a lot of that with vegan mentoring and mm putting out a vegan Perth guide, the practical aspects. How do I live day to day? Where do I, what shampoo do I buy? Mm. What do I cook? Do I just eat salad every day? So I think those two things are what's needed. And when people fail to go vegan or stay vegan, one of those is missing. Mm. 
Yep, that's right. So I think we'll we'll leave it there for now, and, and we'll take a track, and we'll continue the discussion in uh, yeah after the break. And yeah, we're going to talk about the idea of humane animal products and some critiques and those kind of things. And we're also going to focus on all you know all animal products, but also have a focus on dairy products specifically. So with that in mind, we're going to play a clip from the TV show Peep Show, which is a sitcom out of the UK. Uh, and this one basically in this clip, one of the characters. Jeremy is basically looking for milk in milk for his tea, uh, and all he can find in the milk in the fridge is milk from his friend Sophie. Oh, no milk. Not black tea. I'm not some kind of monster. Hello, the human cow. Why not? Luxury milk, lady milk. Because you deserve it. Jeremy, come, come and look at this. You have to come and look at this now. Hold on. I didn't think we had any milk. Uh, no, we don't. No, we definitely don't, because I couldn't have any Sultana brown this morning. But there's no milk in the fridge, except... Oh! Mark, relax. This is Sophie's milk, isn't it? Think of it as lady milk from the human cow. Jeremy, this... it's... it's one step away from cannibalism. Oh, right, so it's weird to drink milk from someone you know, but to drink milk from another species, some cow that you've never met, that's fine, is it? Yes, yes, it bloody well is. Well, suit yourself. Mmm, luxury milk. What's up, listeners? This is Johnny Mac here. Just reminding everybody to tune in to 3CR at 11am each day from Monday, July the 8th to Friday, July the 12th for our special Beyond the Bars broadcast during NADOC. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project giving voice to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates across Victoria. For more information, head to our website, 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. So make sure to listen in and support our brothers and sisters until they're home again. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR and today on the show I'm joined by Katie Batty and we're discussing the humane myth, looking at this idea of humanely marketed animal products, free range, organic, RSPCA approved, etc., um, yeah, and we just from just in the break we heard a clip from the TV show Peep Show, um, Luxury Milk, basically about um, yeah about the character being fine with drinking the human breast milk, but one of the characters disagreeing. Uh, and yeah, I guess following on from that, maybe Kay, do you have any thoughts on? And we've covered this a bit already, but anything you'd like to add on why you don't consume dairy products, even if they're humanely labelled? Anything, mm. anything you want to add on to that? I think there's a couple of things we also haven't mentioned, and that is that if the world was to continue its rate of consumption of animal products, but switch to uh, these free range, like let's let's just say that if they are actually following the proper standards of what that means, environmentally, we, we couldn't sustain it. Um, the reason why we can consume so many uh, animals is because we do it intensively um, worldwide. So it couldn't be done, um, not to mention the health impacts of animal products. Um, and so that's why, for me, even if there was, say, lab-grown meat, um, I'm not interested. And, and some lab-grown meat actually comes from the blood of animals anyway. I believe all of it does now. They're trying to develop it without... Right, yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's still animal suffering in, in that regardless. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, I've been vegan for 11 years, so uh, my body's now become lactose intolerant. And what's really interesting, all these things that you uh, are taught and that you never challenge, that it's normal to drink dairy milk from a young age. I remember being uh, 16 and in high school and thinking, okay, this is really weird that humans have evolved that they need a dairy cow to kind of basically have enough calcium. That's really strange um, that we've evolved that way. And then as I became more aware of things, it's it's really, you know, Western people um, who have been having dairy milk for hundreds of years have developed the ability to tolerate lactose beyond infanthood. But that's not normal. It's not normal to tolerate it beyond a child because you have it when you're a baby from your mother, not from someone else's mother, uh, not from another species. And then uh, it's normal to then no longer tolerate lactose beyond that age. And um, what um, predominantly Western people have been able to do from consuming it for many years is uh, you know, an evolution that they can then tolerate it. But that's not normal. The normal state of being is that you cannot have lactose beyond infanthood. Uh, and that uh, in any case, of course, that, that, that lactose should be from your your mother and from the same species. So I think that's another um, point. I like uh, the one time that I've had dairy by accident and then I got sick and I felt like I was a level five vegan because I was like, no, I'm lactose intolerant. Mm-hmm. I never used to have a problem before. I didn't particularly like dairy milk when I was a kid, but I didn't have any problems tolerating it. Mm-hmm. And um, now I do. So uh, I, I don't have, obviously have that same problem with eggs, but uh, again, to me, chicken periods, whether they're free range or not, are not particularly appetizing. Yeah, and we're going to get on to an article now, and we'll just take it maybe uh, paragraph, paragraph, or sentence for sentence. And so, yeah, I thought this was worth reading. It is from 2017, or a little while ago, it's from The Guardian in, in the UK context. But I thought this was a maybe a good starting point to talking about this idea of so-called uh, humane milk. So the article is called Humane Milk is a Myth, Veganism Advert Cleared by Standards Body. Again, this is from The Guardian. So an advertisement stating that humane milk is a myth has been cleared by the regulator following complaints from members of the dairy industry that it was inaccurate and misleading. So the national newspaper advert in February for campaign group Go Vegan World featured a photo behind a a feature photo of a cow behind a piece of barbed wire and the headline, Humane Milk is a Myth, Don't Buy It. Smaller text stated, I went vegan the day I visited a dairy. The mothers, still bloody from birth, searched and uh, searched and called frantically for their babies. Their daughters, fresh from their mother's womb but separated from them, trembled and cried piteously, drinking milk from rubber teats on the wall instead of their mother's nurturing bodies, all because humans take their milk. The Advertising Standards Authority, ASA, said seven complainants, some of whom had had experience of working in the dairy industry and who who believed the advert did not accurately describe the way that dairy cattle were generally treated in the UK, challenged whether the claims were misleading and could be substantiated. Go Vegan World said the advert did not state or imply that cars were separated from their mothers before the 12 to 24 hour uh, period recommended by the Department of uh, Environment, Food, Rural Affairs, DEFRA. So, sorry, to just leave the article for a moment, that they recommend 12 to 24 hours with their mother I know. before and, they're taken away. And again, Babies. I think that is what, um, yeah, again, a good point to sort of challenge this humane myth. It's like, even if things are done in inverted commas properly and by Even the rules. Even if you follow the law yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. If an ordinary person walked into a Australian farms and slaughterhouses hmm. and saw what was happening, most of them would be horrified and would at least for a small portion of time, want to stop consuming animal products. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing. If people do a slaughterhouse visit, then afterwards they usually, like six months later, can go back to it because it's out of their mind again. But, mm. yeah, 12 to 24 hours, that is heartbreaking. 
Yeah, and, and I think even the RSPCA here in Australia have, have the same thing of a certain amount of time that they should be, not necessarily that exact same amount, but there is a certain amount of time. And yeah, again, it's not so much. And I, again, again, the industry gone, we're doing things by the rules, therefore mm. it's humane. It's like, no, these rules say that it's humane, but even if they follow that, it's not humane. So we don't have to accuse them of not following the rules for it not to be humane. The rules themselves are inhumane, the industry itself. Um, but in any case, they, they going back to the article, but in any case, they believe believe the exact timing of the separation was irrelevant to the ad, which commented on the injustice of separating cow and calf, claiming later separation actually caused more distress. And they believe that most people would consider a separation at 24 hours as unjust as separation at 24 hours. Clearing the advert, the ASA said it understood the complainants were concerned. The advert implied a significant number of dairy farms did not comply with animal welfare standards in place in the UK. Uh, and milk production was therefore inhumane in that sense. But it concluded that we understand that DEFRA, the department, recommend that cars should be kept with their mothers for at least 12, preferably 24 hours after birth. Although the language used to express the claims was emotional and hard-hitting, we understood it was the case that cars would generally separate from their mothers very soon after birth, and we therefore concluded the ad was unlikely to materially mislead readers. Mm. So yeah, that was kind of interesting. They they sort of they agreed that this claim that the humane dairy is a, is a lie was actually you know accurate basically. And this is an, an industry body of most likely speciesists who don't value animals or whatever. They're don't like, see no, a problem with using no them. exactly and, and probably consuming animals themselves etc. And they're like no that that is a is not a misleading claim that they made about the dairy. And I would also say I don't think the ad was even necessarily implying that they did breach those welfare codes. No. It was more about even when they follow them, it's like they're, they're a fundamental aspect of these industries This as is well. the beauty of an animal rights approach versus mm. an animal welfare approach. We don't need and to... And do you want to define those? Yes. Yeah. So animal rights is the idea that using animals is fundamentally wrong, uh, that animals should not be property under the law. So currently, an animal is animals other than humans are property under the law. For the use of humans. So a chair is property. I can kick a chair. And uh, animals, other animals are also property. Now, there's some restrictions on what you can do to certain animals, particularly companion animals. And uh, I, I am a lawyer, um, so I can just I can say that there are exceptions in animal cruelty legislation. But these do not apply to farmed animals when they're doing usual farming practices. So um, an animal welfare person would say, we need free range, we need to get rid of sow stalls, we need to uh, stop exporting live animals and start exporting dead, chilled animals. An animal rights person would say, we need to stop using animals. And uh, that's what the beauty of being an animal rights activist is I don't need to prove that they're not following regulations. They can be completely following regulations, just telling people the truth of what happens. And that's why if... No slaughterhouse would allow me to come in and just film openly and they can be completely following the law 100%. And if they put that on television, people would be horrified and the rate of people going vegan and uh, reducing the animal products would significantly skyrocket. But they don't. They will not let us do that. And that is why the only option for some animal rights activists is to go in covertly. I'm not condoning any kind of illegal action. You know, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I'm a completely law-abiding lawyer. But that's why documentaries such as Dominion, which show Australian slaughterhouses, Australian farming practices, majority, mm. um, 
is the only place people can go to the truth because think, they won't let us in. And I think with Dominion as well, they made an effort to show standard in the suit. Exactly. Practice, not this is the standard. Them. These yeah. are not, uh, there's one sadist at this slaughterhouse who does this. Mm-hmm. This is the standard because the reality of their lives is so horrifying and it involves such extreme violence, death, separation from their babies, forcible, forcible impregnation. That's just part of the norm. That's just the norm. So we don't even have to show you... Uh, a really bad abattoir, which just the reality of it is so bad. Mm. An abattoir or a slaughterhouse is bad for animals, not just when things go wrong. There's no uh, such thing as a humane slaughterhouse. Visit a slaughterhouse and then tell me if you think mm-hmm. it's humane. Um, yeah, and I think also, even if you do think it's humane, and we've, we've touched on this before, but often, you know, theorists like Peter Singer are like, visit the slaughterhouse, see if you're okay with it. But again, we don't generally apply that to human oppression. Like, Ooh. oh, I'm okay with that human oppression, therefore I'm going to contribute. It's like, but the individual is not okay with it. That's the most important thing. So I think we need to... Yeah, do you your- want to go and visit uh, like an ISIS camp and see what the women and children experience there, which isn't unlike Handmaid's Tale? Do you want to go and do that and then come back and say, hmm, no, I'm okay with them? Yeah, it's like it's not up to the person. It's up to human rights standards and laws. And the same mm. with we need to establish animal rights standards. Yeah, and it's also it's not up to the person benefiting from the oppression to say it's okay. It's yeah. up to the, the individual being It's like oppressed. asking yeah. the slave owner to say, do you have a problem with the way that you're using these slaves? No, I don't. I make plenty of money out of it and, yeah, I'm doing all right. Okay, that's fine. We are the ones benefiting from it. Yeah, and I guess this is something you've touched on already, but just in case you have any final thoughts, um, or maybe I'll do this dairy and feminine, maybe I'll mansplain this. No, I thought we'd check with, um, yeah, is there anything else you want to add about dairy? You've covered this pretty well, but any, yeah, or I mean, handmade salad, you've covered that as well. Imagine yeah. a world where uh, this superior alien species comes down and they're able to subjugate us and they take, they take women and they force them to constantly pump out milk they're forcibly impregnated because, and another fact I didn't know before I became a vegan, it's not that dairy cows just produce milk constantly. Just like humans and every other mammal, they need to be pregnant or have recently given birth in order to produce dairy milk. So how do you do that? You need to have them constantly forcibly impregnated, which is a form of sexual assault, of course. And then um, once the baby's born, take the baby away and steal their milk. And imagine if an alien species came down and they had the power to do that to us, to separate us like that, um, to manipulate women's menstrual cycles uh, in the way that they do in the egg industry. We would just say, this isn't fair, you can't do this, we're human beings. And they'd say, so what? We're the superior species. Mm. That's the only justification you need. You don't even have to say, oh, well, cows aren't very smart or pigs aren't very smart. Because we know that that's not true. We know that all these animals have feelings and value their lives and value their babies. And uh, a a pig is just as smart or even smarter than a dog. And yet, for some reason, in our Western society, we say it's okay to kill one and not the other. Mm. And our laws say you can do something legally to a pig that you cannot do legally to a dog. If you do that to a dog, you can be charged with animal cruelty law, under animal cruelty law, as a, as a criminal offence. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, on that topic of dairy and feminism, we did a whole episode with a great guest, Madison Griffiths. So you can check that out. It's called Madison Griffiths Animal Rights as a Social Justice Issue. You can find that in all our old episodes at freedomofspecies.org as well as on iTunes. And so that was on, yeah, talking about animal rights as a social justice issue that is connected to other social justice issues. And particularly we focus on those uh, links with feminism, which I think are particularly strong, like, again, all forms of oppression. But I think they're, they're particularly strong parallels to be drawn uh, with feminism and feminist movements 
movements and feminist issues. Wanted to move on now and talk a bit about a more specific example of yeah a company um, and an example of um, marketing free range dairy products. And I did want to mention from the outset we are going to talk about the company Harvey Fresh. And for all of the sources and all the evidence for all of the claims we're going to make in the following conversation, these are all supported and backed up with evidence in the peer-reviewed academic book chapter. Book, sorry, peer-reviewed academic book chapter called "The Role of the Ideology of Animal Welfare in the Consumption and Marketing of Animal Origin Products." So that was published by me, Nick Pendergrass, with Sarah McGrath in the book "Social Marketing and Its Influence on Animal Origin Food Product Consumption." Um, and and you is- are an academic. You have yeah. a PhD, which focuses on the animal industry. So um, don't think we're loose-lipped <laughs> activists who are just randomly picking a company and saying some stuff about them that's bad. Yeah. Uh, this is all entirely fact-based, and you can check our peer-reviewed sources. Yeah, so that's published by IGI Global 2018. Um, it, 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 all these claims you can find from pages 224 to 226 of that book. Um, and we'll put a link to the book chapter in the notes. But also, if anyone would like a copy, I hate stuff being behind an academic paywall or whatever um, and I am allowed to send out like their version the draft version or whatever so if anyone is interested in anything in this or anything else that I've published I'm always happy to send people a copy just email us at info at freedomofspecies.org and I'm happy to pass that on but I'm going to talk about a specific advertisement from Harvey Fresh and this is probably more of a Western Australian example. So when we were living in Perth Harvey Fresh being a big dairy producer and obviously Mm. we were involved running an animal rights organisation in Perth. Exactly so yeah people may not be aware of this specific example i still think it's a good example to talk generally about some of the issues with yeah, this was marketing. the first time i'd seen uh free range milk exactly We'd heard advertised eggs anywhere yeah, i'd never yeah. seen any kind of discussion of ethical dairy and that's when i knew that vegans were starting to win and the message was starting to get out about the cruelty of the dairy industry and it's becoming less common sense that you drink milk they actually have to justify not just drink our milk but actually drink cow's milk because mm. before it was like of course you're in cow's milk you just want you to drink our brand but now they're actually trying to convince people to drink cow's milk because people are drinking almond milk soy milk and they've tried to tr- tried to get us to uh get uh, companies to change the name and say it has to be, uh, what do they want? Like uh, almond, almond juice? juice, I think, yeah. Because they're so angry that uh, the vegans are starting to win, the animal rights activists are starting to win, and people are choosing soy and almond and all these other kinds of milks, and it's becoming so popular now. Yeah, so th- this advertisement, which featured a lot on Western Australian t- TV. And in w- the newspapers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was basically cows roaming around on, on green pastures, and then it basically was showing the supposedly typical day for these dairy cows uh, producing this free-range milk. Um, So 10 a.m. personal training, midday meditation, 2 p.m. hydrotherapy, 4 p.m. massage, etc. That sounds like a lovely holiday. I'd love to be a dairy cow. My co-author Sarah McGrath said, likening the life of a cow creating Harvey Fresh product to that of a human attending a day spa retreat. Um, And at the end of the video, the consumer is invited to enjoy a taste of their good life. Hmm. I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting because when we talk about this idea of humane and animal welfare and humane animal products, it's interesting that word humane, most of it is human. There's yeah. human with it. And I think this is very human centric. Yeah. And so there's a lot of claims made by industry, uh, meat producers, even animal advocates in some case, uh, that if we treat animals better, we'll get better tasting meat and these yeah. kind of things. And the so best animals are the ones that are treated the nicest. Yeah, they exactly. taste so good. So it, it kind of comes 
comes back to us. And even, even a lot of these labels like grass-fed and those kind of things. Hormone-free, grass-fed. But that, that's nothing to do with the animal. No. That, that's about health for humans. Yep. And, and so, again, a lot of this stuff, I think even when, it's, when it is for animals, it's not giving them enough respect. Um, but a lot of it's more about humans anyway as well. Um, but I wanted to read an email, which is quite a funny one, because actually Katie actually sent this email as part of our animal rights many mm. years ago. Yeah, so I... Well, but I was going to say, actually, um, I didn't actually include this in the chapter, but my co-author, Sarah McGrath, was doing research, just happened to come across this email because it was posted online. So I posted it online? We shared it on our Facebook page. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would have had it in my records anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I'm saying she was just doing research on Harvey Fresh and happened to find it. So I thought maybe with this email, and this, again, touched on some of the problems with all kinds of dairy production, uh, but maybe I'll be the Harvey Fresh and you can do the one asking the question in this mm-hmm. little thing. So, yeah, because it was me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this is um, Harvey Fresh's email response regarding their free-range milk. Uh, so thank you for your email regarding our cows in response to your questions. So my first question, what happens to the male cows that are born to the free-range dairy cows? Male cows are raised on farms or sold to other farmers. What happens to the dairy cows after they stop producing milk? You would need to contact our famers regarding this information. Farmers, it was a typo, yep. (laughs) And how are the dairy cows impregnated? You would need to contact our famers, again, farmers, regarding this information. So So they're basically... They're like, we have nothing to do with it. We just take that sweet, sweet pussy milk and put it in a box, hun. We do not do anything with the cows... It's up to the farmers. Whatever they do, we stick it in a box and we say free range. And not only that, in the email, I said thank you for your email regarding our cows. So at that point, they're our cows. But when you ask about some of the more unsavory aspects, they're no longer which are inherent to the industry. Exactly. Um, And also on Harvey Fresh specifically, they've been charged with misleading labelling twice. Um, And this wasn't to do with animal welfare concerns, um, but other concerns. So they claim the cheese products, um, one example was they claimed cheese products were manufactured in WA when it was actually in Victoria. So they're charged of misleading um, advertising for that. Um, And also uh, another example, which, um, and I do think there is actually, you know, I I don't know whether they're breaking law, but I would like to see lawyers looking into some of these claims because there have been um, misleading advertisement around animals used for entertainment. Um, what was that? Do you remember that was at the SeaWorld one or something? But there was something about there. There was. Oh, a the, you mean the do- the dolphin case? Dolphins, in, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I volunteer with the Animal Law Institute, and I wasn't a part of this case at all. But uh, they they had a, a successful case with uh, dolphins that were in captivity. Mm. Um, and the advertising was, our dolphins are so happy, live such a happy life, something along those lines. Mm. And these dolphins are living in, I'm pretty sure it was chlorinated water. And uh, so as a result of uh, legal action from the Animal Law Institute, saying that that was misleading uh, under consumer law, because remember, these are just... Uh, these are products, animals are products, so consumer law and misleading deceptive conduct is is often a, a good path to take legally. Uh, as a result of that, the the dolphins are being freed and they're going to be put into an ocean sanctuary. And that was because of misleading claims about how happy the dolphins were. Yeah, and so in terms of animal products, there have been those misleading claims. What the mis- misleading claims have been, like where they've actually successfully charged them, has been where companies are producing... And charging, let's just... Charging is talking about criminal stuff. We're talking about a, a civil case oh, here. Or they've been found guilty or whatever. <laughs> no, no, not no, found guilty, sorry, but sorry. they've they've lost or they've been found to be misleading consumers. Misleading, yep, yep. yep. Sorry, I'm not the lawyer here. No. But um, 
Yeah, basically where well where they've got in trouble, I'll say, I guess. They're, they're, yeah. They've been found to mislead consumers. Yeah, they've mislead breached the act. Right? It's basically companies who produce both free-range and non-free-range eggs, and then mm. they've found the numbers don't add up, so they're chucking the non-free-range. Yeah, so that, that is where they have. But I also wonder more generally, like even the free-range claims, because, again, in the UK, they found that idea that humane milk is a myth. They found that was accurate. Mm-hmm. So I also wonder that some of these claims regarding, like, humane milk and humane meat and, um, yeah, humane eggs, whether they could be challenged legally. But yeah. I think they definitely could be challenged. Mm. And I think that, uh, you know, this is something for, like, the the – the number of resources that can go into a legal action like this is is very limited, obviously. The mm. Animal Law Institute's entirely volunteer-run. Mm-hmm. But certainly I would encourage any uh, animal activists, if they do see this kind of misleading um, kind of conduct, to, yeah, send it on to the Animal Law Institute, see if there's anything that they can do about it because they only do strategic litigation. Mm. So uh, there are some other animal law clinics like at Fitzroy Legal Service which do like uh, assist activists um, and uh, people that are on the right side of animal law. They don't assist the people that are charged with cruelty offences. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of that animal law stuff, but Animal Law Institute only do strategic litigation. So certainly, you know, you can reach out to them. I'll probably mention this this case when I have a chat to them as well because for me personally, I was just furious about this, um, seeing this Harvey Milk ad and uh, the the response from them, just totally, you know, very clear about what their standards are. Yeah, and also on Harvey Fresh. So they are, they are owned by a bigger company, like conglomerate called Lactalis, okay? And basically the 2016 business benchmark on farm animal welfare uh, ranked them or ranked a lot of different companies. And again, so Harvey, Harvey Fresh is the one who are putting out these things, free range milk and the, 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 the sort of the standards are like some sort of spa retreat. So um, Lactalis, who owns Harvey Fresh, got ranked tier six uh, with one one being the best and six being the worst. So they got ranked the, uh, the worst at, from this 2016 business benchmark on Farm Animal Welfare Report. And so basically tier six, which is what Lactalis, who owns Harvey Fresh, received, it refers to no evidence of that animal welfare on the business agenda. Right. So, so no, they had the worst yeah. ranking yeah. and that's determined by a... Uh, that's determined by industry, right? The business benchmark on farm animal welfare. So we're not talking about yeah. animal rights activists no, it's not animal rights putting activists, it out there. Yeah. We're talking about a, a very uh, you know mainstream industry yeah. saying that they are ranked the worst in terms of no evidence that they look at animal welfare. Yeah, as no part evidence of, their of that, even though they're making those claims. So I just thought that that was a good example, and I guess to overcome some of those um, issues or potential issues of just corporations and, and companies just sticking that free range label on without you know changing their practices. Um, um, there comes in uh, with RSPCA labelling, I guess, to overcome that. And I will say I'm critical of these labels, but I do also think this, in general, these labelling schemes are quite important, whether it comes to, like, fair trade or whatever, like having some organisation. Sure, like if something's organic, if something's fair trade. Exactly. Yeah. Some, something in the, separate, separate from regulating it. So I, I do think that, you know, maybe moves it beyond just companies just saying they're doing things. Um, but having said that, uh, I guess because some of the um, some of the issues we've already identified that are sort of more inherent with animal products and animal, animal exploitation, um, yeah, 
according to Animal Liberation Victoria, who've actually gone in and actually, as Katie mentioned, actually documented these conditions on RSPCA-approved farms, so not mm-hmm. the non-RSPCA. Um, and you can find all this at freerangefraud.com. And basically, with animal welfare, which Katie mentioned before, um, yeah, there's basically five key freedoms the animals are meant to get from this, um, according to animal welfare perspective, which is free from thirst and hunger, adequate shelter, free from pain, injury and disease, permitted to express normal behaviours by providing sufficient space, and free from fear or distress. And basically, Animal Liberation claim from their investigation and that you can look at all this on their site, their documentation of these conditions, but they argue that the RSPCA have failed to provide every one of the five freedoms animals are entitled to. Okay, and so Uh, this is a uh, RSPCA approved facility. Mm. RSPCA is an animal welfare organisation and they also have power to prosecute animal cruelty and not even their facilities, according to the AFL, ALV's investigation met those five freedoms. And I would also say, so again, that there's sort of two criticisms or two key points that I make that, you know, sometimes they don't live up to their claims. And again, that's what Animal Liberation Victoria are claiming here. But I also think another important thing too is even if they do live up to their claims, they're still not respecting animals. And one freedom which I highlighted, which isn't in, in these those five animal welfare freedoms, is freedom from being slaughtered for profit. Mm-hmm. And so even if they are, even if there are, you can point to examples that are providing those five freedoms um, and, and and again, investigations have often found that isn't the case. But even if it was the case, um, we're still killing those animals just sort of profit of these industries. Um, and yeah, I guess this has generally gone on to- Unnecessarily, I should add as well, because we know that we can live completely healthily as vegans. It's something that's being recognised by the peak health bodies in Australia, America, the UK, from infancy through pregnancy. You can have a completely healthy vegan diet. So it is not necessary. So we're talking about unnecessary harm to animals, unnecessary cruelty and killing. Not killing uh, for the sake of mercy like you might euthanise a very sick animal. Or human. Or human, mm. um, now that we have voluntary euthanasia in uh, Victoria. Mm. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about unnecessary harm and killing. For profit as for well. For profit. Yeah, killing when they're profitable, not killing, as Katie said, for their own benefit, like euthanasia. Um, and I guess the, the inat- yeah, or what some people see as the inadequacies of the existing sort of labelling, there are parties from like the Greens who are pushing for genuine free range. So mm. they, are, they argue that you know, existing free range is quite meaningless or not meaningless enough and therefore we need to get better laws for free range and so what I, what I'd argue in terms of this idea of humane animal products basically there's like a kind of a spectrum from like no challenge at all like companies kind of just doing what they're always doing business but as usual put, putting on a farming. humane label yep. inc- being able to charge more being able to direct people to their company there there, yeah, there is that sort of end of it um, and then at best it's a limited challenge where there is like so say the greens got this genuine free range it did mean slightly bigger cages like big more space for animals it's like well maybe that's slightly better but it's still a limited challenge so we're still kind of doing what we're doing just in a slightly different way we're still using animals as commodities we're still killing them we're still using them uh yeah using them as things for us to use rather than individuals who are important so yeah from it goes from no challenge at all to to at best a limited challenge so yeah we'll continue discussing this in a moment but we're going to play a song which i think is quite a relevant one this is by propagandy uh humane meat or 
or human inverted here with a um, the brackets. in brackets. Yeah, yeah. Humane, so human or humane meat, the flensing of sand or cats. I do have to put in a note regarding swearing for this song, but I will also give a bit of a background for this song as well. So sand or cats wrote a book on ethical eating, which apparently was actually quite a good book. Most of it, um, mm. quite yeah, trying to eat more ethically and yeah, trying to so not more just animals, but no, that was just one chapter oh, of the book. Okay. And so Chris Hanna, their singer, propaganda and songwriter said the book was quite good and then this one chapter was really horrible, basically talking about this idea we're doing animals such a favour by you know, raising them humanely and, mm. and killing them humanely. So basically what Chris Hanna does in this song is basically use the exact same language that Sand or Cats use that's saying that he's doing animals such a favour and actually doing this to, to the author. Doing a favour for Sand or Cats. Yeah, exactly. He should be so happy. And I'm sure his friends and his family will appreciate that. <laughs> worth the effort to get to Darwin from the 2nd to the 4th of August for the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's National Conference. Australia at the Crossroads. Time for an independent foreign policy. 
held under the ominous shadow of U.S.-China contention and U.S.-Australian military exercises for war on China. Discussion and speakers will address the social and economic cost of militarism to Australia, the impact of militarism on the environment, and the dangers posed to our peace and security by stationing U.S. troops in Darwin. For more details, head to the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's website at ipan.org.au. IPAN is a 3CR supporter. This is David Rovix and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55am, Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do and everything can change. You're listening to Freedom of Species on 3CR and today we're joined by Katie Batty discussing the idea of humane animal products or challenging the idea of humane animal products and we just heard the song Humane Meat, the Flensing of Sandor Cats by Propagandi which I think was a a really good song to demonstrate that. I think putting it in the human context really does a powerful job at challenging some of these claims. I I remember, sorry, a discussion I had with uh, a co-worker and she was saying, oh, People were fishing on the pier and they just swung the hook back and it nearly got me in the face. And I was like, yeah, imagine what that feels like for the fish. Yeah, exactly. And I think, yeah, I think we, yeah, that is one way to do it. I think it's a powerful way. But I also think that we don't even necessarily have to, like it is one way to go, but we don't necessarily have to put in the human context, even like, Katie mentioned this earlier, like other animals, for example, like dogs. And um, there's a lot of outrage in in um, yeah the Chinese dog slaughter. And I haven't heard one person in the west in Western countries like Australia advocating for free range dogs nope. to replace that dog. Nope. And ne- in fact, I <laughs> went on television and raised this very point because mm. you remember that there was that case of a man killing a puppy humanely in WA and then consuming mm-hmm. eating the puppy. And he said he'd done it humanely, mm. uh, but no one seemed to have any sympathy for him. No, it didn't he matter. He got charged with a criminal offence. Because we have some level of, most people have some level of respect for dogs and we recognise that just eating them is is not meeting that. It's not In our brains, the, yeah. dogs are companions, mm. not food. Mm-hmm. But that is just something that we've decided culturally and quite arbitrarily. So... In China, it's not that case. In Japan, eating whales uh, for some people is no big deal. And in fact, um, many other countries are are poor Australia for eating kangaroos. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, there was something uh, I heard from the dairy or promoting the dairy industry a while ago. And on this idea of humane animal products was like that these industries are really positive for animals and that these industries and the humane animal products, et cetera, we're connected with animals and we all like it, like the dairy producers and the animals. It's a symbiotic relationship. It's an interconnected relationship. We're co-workers and colleagues and these kind of things. And I wanted to actually just give a sort of a counter example to that. And basically this is um, from the book, uh, Making a Killing the Political Economy of Animal Rights by Bob Torres, who was one of the hosts of Vegan Freak Podcast, which was a popular vegan podcast many years ago. Um, but he argues that actually, and it's not just him, he's sort of citing a range of people look at this. Yeah, he's, he's an animal rights activist, obviously. And sociologist as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so basically he was looking at this idea that there have been people looking to this idea of like animals as workers, but not with the dairy industry as co-workers, but they're like the exploiters. So there's parallels with like Marxist kind of thinking where basically we have the bourgeoisie or the business owners like exploiting the workers. Um, and yeah, there's sort of similar analysis with um, with animals in that animals, you know, like workers, like in 
human workers in capitalist society, they're producing stuff that they don't see the benefit from. Um, but actually, yeah, and so there is that parallel again, animals being the exploited workers, but actually they're exploited much, much worse than workers because they're subjects, not employees or citizens. Mm. So they're sort of owned rather than like an employee. Um, also, they have no wage beyond subsistence. So again, there's that critique that workers don't get enough of the profits that they create for the company. Here, the animals are creating profits for the company for someone else, but they get no wage at all. There's they get no, zero benefit no, beyond being kept alive for as long as is for as long as is profitable to those industries. That's it. And then they're slaughtered, and of course, their babies are taken away from them, and they're sexual assault, as we mentioned. And, and so, yeah, I guess yeah, there's definitely important problems with workers not being paid enough all the world, but we still get paid, and we still can have holidays and do nice things and those kind of things. Of work, uh, animals just get enough food and water to keep them alive while they're profitable. And also they never leave the place where they are producing, unlike workers. So again, we can be treated badly at work, but at least we can escape that and go home and go to other places. Workers, so animals never leave the place they're producing. Uh, and also, again, animals different compared to workers. The animal is owned outright and treated another, as another part of the machinery of production. So again, very different to workers, even though there definitely are very valid issues around worker exploitation. But again, we can view animals as similar to exploited workers, but treated even worse. Like there are substantial differences as well. Um, so I thought that that sort of that book or that little section of the book that was Bob Torres making a killing the political of animal rights um, really dealt with some of those uh, claims uh, promoting the dairy industry quite quite well. And I guess more generally. Um, yeah, as we've touched on before, this sort of leaves out animal rights perspectives, which actually challenge that slaughter. And I think, yeah, animal rights and animal liberation, the, these more radical perspectives actually are fundamentally challenging our relationship, challenging animals as commodities, challenging the consumption of animals are actually like a deep challenge to our relationship with animals. Um, whereas, yeah, the animal welfare ones of humane or animal products are very superficial when they are have any meaning to them at all. Um, and yeah, I think uh, maybe we'll finish off with a you know one or two tips on going vegan. But just to make sure I get this in, we'll just um, give a few quick plugs. I wanted to thank everyone who bought the tickets to our trivia event, and this has been sold out. We're about to head there now. So and this is part of the three CR radiothon. Exactly. So thanks everyone who bought tickets. So that's going to help us make our our goal. Um, but we've still got a way to go even with that trivia afternoon. So we encourage everyone to still donate. You can still donate. There's still. Do time to donate to our show and to donate to Radiothon and to keep us and our show going. Um, so at the moment, 3CR has raised $170,000 of the $250,000 target. That's for 3CR overall, not just our show. Um, but you can find out all the ways to donate at 3cr.org.au. You can also pledge um, support at 0488 809 855 if you want to um, send a text there as well. Um, but yeah, we really encourage you to donate. You can donate at 3cr.org.au. Um, and you can also there, you can actually pledge for a certain show. So if you want to support our show specifically as well as 3CR generally, when it says which show do you want to support, you can select Freedom of Species. Is so tax deductible? I believe it is, yes. Um, so we really appreciate... You have to do that right before 30th June. Yep. Um, we really do appreciate any support. Thanks so much to everyone who has already donated. Um, and also, yeah, I think we might um, go to... Well, do you have any... 
in about one minute or 30 seconds any any or just one tip on going vegan because i think one appeal of the humane Art product is we can still bake the same cakes and make the same dishes just buy slightly different products so any any very uh, mentor brief... so for me like knowing someone who is a vegan and just practically to get advice so there are you know you can reach out to the vegan easy challenge and mm. and they have mentors through there or go on to facebook and find a vegan group and post uh just ask for support you know what do you buy what do you eat just easy stuff like that so veganeasy.org is that website we've also done a whole show practical advice on vegan living um, with lots of tips on becoming vegan so you can find that in all of our previous episodes at freedomofspecies.org as well as on itunes um, yeah, I think we better wrap it up there because we're just about out of time. We're going to finish up with the track uh, The Animal in Man. This is by Dead Prez. I do have to mention there is uh, a swearing in this track as well, so I have to mention that. Um, but, yeah, this basically relates to my previous points about like the working class and stuff. So this is basically about the book Animal Farm by George Orwell, famous book. Um, but rather than this sort of being a metaphor for, like, you know, communism and, and exploitation of workers under capitalism, etc., it's like a direct thing of actually viewing like the humans exploiting the animals and stuff so i thought it was really relevant to my my points on the exploitation of animals and animals kind of as the working class and as a particularly badly exploited working class as well so yeah we'll finish up with that track make sure you stay tuned for encyclopedia thanks for coming in katie thanks for having me and we will see you next time help me you asked me to help you man is evil capable of nothing but Once upon a time, there was a very serious situation brewing. There was a farmer and a farmyard filled with animals, and this is the story of their times. Old man Sammy had a farm, walked the land with the rifle, most of the time shit was calm, his whole life was maintained off the everyday labor from the mules in the field to the cattle in the stable, this is how he kept food on his table. You would have thought he was disabled from the way he be relaxing, acting like Mr. Magnificent. But the animals was thinking something different The sentiment was tension in the barnyard Throughout the years they hadn't been through mad drama With the farmer world is bong And they all came to one conclusion They argued there was no way that they'd ever be free If it was up to humans Therefore the only course left was revolution Which was understandable And since the pigs promised to lead it in the interest of all the animals They planned a full attack Under the leadership of Hannibal, the fattest pig in the pack The next morning on the farm Everything was calm Just before dawn, but before long the sun Got so hot it make the farm seem electric. Now check it. This is when that shit got hectic. Directed by Hannibal, the animals attacked. Old Sam was in a state of shock. He fell up on his back and dropped his rifle, reaching in vain. Each and every creature from the field at his throat, screaming, "Kill!" Feel the pain. This is the animal, the man. This is the animal, the man. This is the animal, the you. This is the animal, the man. Coming true. This is the animal, the man. This is the animal in you. This is the animal in man. Coming true, true, true. After they ran the farmer off the farm, the pigs went round and called a meeting in the barn. Hannibal spoke for several hours, but when he talked about his plans for power, that's when the conversation turned sour. He issued an official ordinance to set, if you're not a pig from this day forth, then you sporting it. That's when the horses went buck wild. One of them shouted out, you fraudulent pigs, we know your fucking style. Hannibal's face was flushed and pale, all the animals' eyes full of disgust and betrayal. 
he fell the same way Sam fell. They took his tongue out his mouth and cut his body up for sale. For real. For real. You better listen while you can. It's a very thin line between animal and man. When Hannibal crossed the line, they all took a stand. What would you have done? Shook his hand. This is the animal and man. This is the animal and man. This is the animal and you. This is the animal and man. Coming true. This is the animal and man. This is the animal and you. This is the animal and man. Coming true. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.